Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. This computer has a vast memory capacity. This is not a computer simulation. Most unusual. Are we ready to release our new software? Yes, sir. As requested, it's full of bugs, which means people will be forced to upgrade for years. Outstanding. Good. You've covered all the bases. Computer status report. From this time forward, you will service us. Our priorities seem to have changed. There's no news. Like bad news. Would you mind identifying what you are? Bites. Thanks to Kate Kingsmill for the last three hours with the Distant Sky. Uh, she'll be back next week. Looking forward to hearing that one. Um, we're bite into it. My name's Dan Morganti and joining me is Maze Wallen. Maze, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. I'm a bit tired and the dreary winter is really starting to get to me, but how are you going? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I was previously tired and now I'm less tired. Uh, my my life has achieved somewhat more balance. You've got Just, some energy tonight. Yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a little bit bouncy. <laughs> um, so this week uh, on Bite Into It, the, the games edition that we do uh, every month, um, we'll both be reviewing uh, a couple of itch games. Um, Maze will be reviewing Titanic 2, Orchestra for Dying at Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything you can give away about that review right now? Well, it won um, either an award or it was an honourable mention at a Maze Festival in Berlin Ooh. recently, which I must say a game that I worked on also. Oh! Uh, great, you know, just putting it out there. Apartment, yeah. very good. Anyway. Um, nice. <laughs> and um, so as I was going through all of the games that have gotten nominations or awards, which there's a lot, maybe close to 100. Yeah. Um, and just like randomly clicking on ones that look like they might be short, ready for me to go through. Yeah. Um, I jumped into this one. And it was also one that a colleague of mine also um, mentioned to me as something that I might like. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing the review. <laughs> uh, 
And I will be reviewing uh, a little multiplayer browser-based game called Narrow One. It's uh, use bows and arrows and capture the flag. Um, should be uh, a good one. Um, nice and fun. And cool. Yeah, it's cool to hear about browser-based games that have communities that are, and are still going. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like yeah. back from the days of Newgrounds and things like that when yeah. that was like all the rage. Um, and then after our reviews, we will be hearing from Cecile Richard. Uh, so Cecile has made a new game available on itch.io uh, called Cycle, um, involving a lot of text and... Uh, and images. Uh, yeah, images and... and stories. Stories. Uh, really what we like on, uh, on Bite Into It. Um, yeah, and, you know, we've talked about Cecile's previous work, um, especially... Um, Hope, which they worked on with Cable Ties, and I also worked on. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're a big fan of Cable Ties on Triple R. So, um, yeah, keeping track of Cecile's work in this latest kind of evolution um, is pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and before we get to the news, there's a little bit more business. Uh, Maze, can you tell us what you've been, what's, uh, what's been happening in your world, specifically relating to uh, games and supporting others in games? Well, on Sunday, our National Trade Union launched Game Workers Australia. Woo! Woo! Yay! Thank you. And it went really, really well. Um, I was telling Dan that it's probably one of the best hybrid events I've been to. It was live in Sydney and then online on YouTube for the rest of us. And I emceed and then Tim Colwell also emceed from Perth. And, um, and yeah, we're, we're up and going. And um, Jill McCabe, who's the CEO of Professionals Australia, which is um, IT and many others union that we fit under, she was like, okay, IGEA, which is one of the bosses, industry bodies, like, we're here and, you know, watch out, we're going to be in workplaces. And it was a bit like, oh, my God, we've got this power behind us now. So, yeah, it was really, really successful and we've gotten a lot of new memberships and things like that um, and a lot of support from other trade unions um, because it was May Day as well, you know, special worker day. Yeah. And so a lot of different unions were kind of going, ooh, what's yeah. happening? We've got a new one, new addition to the family. That's awesome. I just want to say congratulations. Uh, you should be very proud. It's a, a great thing you've done for yourself and the community of game developers. And if you are a game developer, um, you should, uh, you know, join up and um, be part of the community and help yourself and help others in the game development development community yeah. um yeah congratulations again thanks mate um so we're going to move on to some news now uh of course it has to feature one of the biggest publishers in the world doing something dodgy because uh that's what they seem to do they don't seem to make as many games as they do cause controversies mm. um activision blizzard has been accused of threatening uh staff to halt talks about wages and work conditions um, so, of course, uh, the complaint claims Activision has engaged in and is engaging in unfair labor practices. Um, so the Communications Workers of America, another uh, union, I believe, has filed an unfair labor charge against Activision Blizzard and alleges the publisher told employees they shouldn't discuss their working conditions in digital channels such as Slack. Um, I feel like you're using a paper cup to stop a dam there. Uh, yeah. You know, the it's... It's just, it's coming. Like these, these businesses are, 
I mean, much like Amazon or EA or like, um, you know, other tech industries, Tesla, um, which claim that you cannot discuss wages in, uh, I know in the US, in like California specifically, that's illegal. Um, people are allowed to discuss their wages. Um, and uh, Activision Blizzard has studios based there. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's 100% illegal here too. Yep. They have studios based here too. Yep. Um, so, yeah, stuff them. Yeah, it's uh, like Bobby Kotick, again, uh, involved in the um, uh, the rigmarole of all this uh, anti-worker, um, mm. you know, and rhetoric. And taking the millions and millions and millions. Yes. So, yeah, well, good on them. Yeah. Good on the workers. They really, no one can afford to be firing workers at the moment. There's a shortage across every single industry. Yes. So, you know, I think they're pretty safe. Now, Now's the time to strike for every worker <laughs> to, to get what they're due, you know. Um, also, it should be mentioned that Activision Blizzard is currently trying to purchase, uh, oh, sorry. Microsoft. Microsoft, yeah. I got that the wrong way around. Microsoft is trying currently trying to purchase Activision Blizzard for an estimated $68.7 billion, uh, which is crazy to think. Like, that's that's the money they're throwing around to, like, acquire each other um, and they can't even pay their workers a decent wage or are trying to uh, underhand pay their workers. And I'm not sure how the law works on this, but um, during that acquisition, they... The laws or judges or something or authorities couldn't, like, actually pass anything according to, you know, to um, to affect Activision Blizzard. Mm. So all of the worker negotiations were halted. There, there could be no payouts or anything like that. I don't know how. Probably just rich people doing rich people shit. But... Um, <laughs> yeah. Now that the Microsoft board have said, yes, you can purchase Activision Blizzard for this amount, now the lawmakers are allowed to, like, penalise Activision Blizzard again? I don't know how that works, but we'll see a few things coming through now that they're allowed to take action again, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, What else has been happening in news? Well... A nice one for the gamers, but unfortunately not if you're in Australia, not yet. Um, The Steam Deck has tripled the amount of games that it can play. So while we can't order a Steam Deck yet in Australia, um, there used to be something like only 400 games or something like that, but now there's thousands of games. Yeah, I think they said they tripled the amount of games that are now officially uh, playable on the Steam Deck. There's also a certain amount of games, uh, say some something like Double That, that are available to play but haven't like been given official support or anything. They're just um, able to play on the Steam Deck. Yeah, but they also may should be, work. Yeah, should work, <laughs> theoretically. Um, but a lot of those are games which are very determined by the uh, peripherals that you're using. That being said, like a controller or keyboard and mouse. So like... Mm. Uh, historically um, strategy games uh, like Age of Empires or Red Alert have not been uh, console friendly. Um, So whether you can play that on the Steam Deck, you might run into the same issues that traditionally they've run into on consoles with controllers. Totally, totally. However, you can still count it as a game that's 
technically playable, you know? It um, opens. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and but, a lot of my colleagues have been, you know, being like, okay, can we can we do the bare minimum to make this playable on Steam Deck? You yeah. Because it's right. being, you know, it's being adopted around. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm really keen to get one. Like, I've been mm. saving up for a PlayStation 5. Yeah. Uh, but I may just, like, put it all towards a Steam Deck. Uh, I mean, I already have a Switch, but I... I have a huge yeah. Steam library as well, so very uh, different console to yeah. the PlayStation Five. Yeah, absolutely, and it's uh, not the size of a supercomputer taking up four square city blocks. You know, PS Five is is really big. Yeah, I remember reviews and stuff saying, "Oh, it's just a bit bigger than an A4 page," but it's it's massive. It's like. Yeah. It's really big, anyway. Yeah. And it's got this kind of weird, sleek design. I mean, we've moved on to talking about the PS5 now, but um, yeah, this weird, like, ultra modern, sleek design, which kind of doesn't mesh with my living room look. So, yeah, if yeah. it came in matte black, I think it would work with mine, but the white doesn't quite. Yeah, just keep with the black. Like, every PlayStation up until this point has been, yeah. you know, full black console. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Steam Deck, looking forward to getting my hands on it eventually. Um, and just news that it's actually going from strength to strength is, um, you know, very positive to hear. Um, for Let's get him here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, some more news. Uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, uh, possibly one of the most beloved Prince of Persia games, uh, one of the, possibly one of the most beloved games of the PS2 era, uh, is having a little bit of a rocky... Remake, I guess. Uh, it's now yeah. in the hands of Ubisoft Montreal. Um, so the change was announced on Tuesday on the uh, official Prince of Persia Twitter account. Um, the statement reads, This decision is an important step and the team building upon the work achieved by Ubisoft Pune and Ubisoft Mumbai will now take the time they need to regroup on the scope of the game to deliver you the best experience for this rate remake of an all-time classic when it's ready. Um, I guess... This could be good news, seeing as Ubisoft Montreal was the original creator of Prince of Persia, so they would mm. have a more intimate understanding of how the game uh, gets made. But uh, I have to say that the re- the whole remake side of games is something like I don't understand any technical stuff about video games, as you're aware. I'm just a big fan. Um, but remakes, I don't understand how they turn out so poorly sometimes. Like there was a bit of backlash for the Grand Theft Auto trilogy being very like terrible terrible graphics like mm. worse graphics than when it was originally released Jeez. <laughs> um can you tell me Maze, is that something like do they try and keep the same engine and update it and keep the game along with it or do they completely remake the game in a different engine or is that like is that something that you have any knowledge of i think it would be entirely case by case and probably around a cost benefit you know, you'd have a lot of assets that you could reuse, but then a massive amount that you just couldn't yeah. at all. Um, I kind of feel like uh, something from PS2 era trying to make that now, I'd almost just think they must be starting from scratch. I don't know. What what could you use from back then that you yeah. could use now? It's hard, hard trying to use something from only like 10 years ago, you yeah. know? Let alone, oh God, how how old are we? Um, I reckon this came out like over twenty years ago, oh. maybe twenty two years ago, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I reckon the change to Montreal is interesting. It makes me wonder about how they treat their Mumbai and Pune um, offices. Like, 
you know, are they, did they see them more as outsourcing rather than design or, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff? Do they feel like, okay, those officers have done the groundwork, we have something that plays, but now we need more design heads or... I kind of know. imagine it as like a, they're bringing new studios in in areas which maybe don't have a, a huge amount of game development and it's a kind of like a we'll entrust this with you we'll see how far you can get you know it's more like a learning curve for the studio um and yeah, maybe they maybe. just weren't performing like while learning how to do it and maybe they haven't been supported in the right ways and yeah all that kind yeah. of stuff um hopefully they can um find something else for the studios to do rather than just cutting them loose oh yeah. i hope so i mean it's always plenty to outsource if that's what they're doing yeah um, but yeah, I, I do wonder how many veterans are still around in Montreal and even how many still work in Ubisoft when we take into account all of the work issues yeah. that we know that they've been going through. And all the sexual assault allegations and yeah. sexual harassment allegations. Well, I'm sure that those old men from 22 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, we've kind of. Started on a sour note, got the uh, got the positive news in the middle, and then ended on another sour note. Well, I think we're meant to reverse that, um, just for you know, let's let's uh, play some some videos of uh, tiny puppies barking or something like that. Yeah, um, no, we'll get into the good stuff. We love indie games made made by people who care about the art and yeah. who are doing their best and who aren't grinding themselves into the ground. And we're going to be talking about those for the rest of the show. You're listening to Bite Into It and the monthly games edition. Um, After these announcements, we're going to be reviewing a couple of itch.io games that you can get your hands on if you're um, looking to kill some time yourself and enjoy some narrative and enjoy some some fun. So, uh, yeah, we'll come back to that after this. Triple R. If you're looking for a quick, fun, browser-based game to play with your friends, I've got one for you. Uh, tell, I, tell us about it, tell us, tell us. All right, all right. You've, you've um, pulled my arm. <laughs> um, I played a little game called Narrow. Uh, you can find it at narrow.one or find it through itch.io, as we love to plug. Um, it's a quick, fun, capture-the-flag game with bows and arrows and simple graphics. And... It's just a lot of fun. It's uh, very simple. Games take around 15 to fifteen minutes to half an hour. Um, capture the flag. You've got to capture three flags, run from one end to the other. Um, I'm sure everyone's familiar with capture the flag maps. It's They're generally two-sided with a, a few different nooks and crannies where you can do shortcuts and get around. Um, yeah, so I was playing it before I came here, uh, enjoying a few games. There's uh, uh, a whole system of... Um, consumables and uh, outfits and stuff, just like a modern any other modern shooter game. Um, yeah, I I highly recommend it. I was thinking when I was playing this, this would be a good game to play in an office setting with uh, everyone in your team for a little mm. bit of uh, team bonding. It's not that hard to grasp. It's just a and the, it's just on the browser. You don't need to download anything. Don't need to download anything. Yeah. It's free. You can all play along. Um, there's I'll, I, so the gameplay is you're running around, you're a, a soldier in a medieval castle. <laughs> um, if you fall off the side, you fall into the clouds. I guess the castles are built oh, into that's the... Nice. Yeah. Um, I guess you're built, in, like, built into the sky or um, however you want. There's a few different maps and, and the like. 
um, and you're running from one side to the other, red team, blue team, you're all dressed differently. You've got uh, either steel helmets or um, fur coats or, um, nice. you know, what, what you'd uh, error-appropriate clothing that you can <laughs> modify. <era>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you can modify your player with. Um, you get to choose from six different bows. I will say that uh, the bows correlate to how you would expect guns to correlate in a um, oh, in a multiplayer shooter, like the small gun for a fast-moving scout, um, and also the guns, the bows. Sorry, they dictate how your character will move as well. So the small bow makes your character move faster. The medium bow uh, a yeah. little bit less than that, and the heavy bow uh, sniper uh, yeah. moves. You move a lot slower, so it's harder to capture the um, the flag if you're the um, the heavy you can bow. Take everyone down. Yeah, and there's also two crossbows, which I couldn't quite get the hang of. I'm not sure how they're they're meant to play in the game because I uh, I couldn't. I felt like they were shooting peas. Uh, I hmm. used the the crossbows and couldn't manage to make them work. So I'm not sure if that was. Um, a glitch in the game or I'm just not very good or uh but the I use the heavy bow mainly I would stand on a a parapet if anyone's familiar with uh, castle design that's uh you know one of the towers with the cutout in the middle so bowmen can uh look down and shoot at unsuspecting foes um and I would protect the people running uh running the flags more often Mm. than not so once someone on my team would run to grab the flag uh as they're running I would protect them and take out anyone who was trying to take them out um, so what's the view like? Is it top down? Can you see the other? Uh, it's first person. So ah. um, all you see is a bow in your periphery. And yeah. um, depending on which bow you have, uh, you hold down the right click and draw your bow. The, the bigger the bow, the longer it takes to draw to full mm-hmm. power. Um, and the further, the longer it takes to draw, the further you'll shoot. So the smaller bow has a shorter range, the larger heavy bow mm. it's longer range. Um, and I will say it's very satisfying when you get a headshot with the heavy bow and take someone out um, and you're able to protect your teammate. Um, I just think it's a really fun, quick, easy game to play. Yeah, right. Um, it's made by Pelican Party Studios, who I looked up. They've got a few other games on studio. Uh, Jesper and Jürgen. Jürgen. I'm not familiar yeah, with... Yeah, right. uh, Jesper and Jürgen. Yeah, Jesper and Jürgen. Um, so they've got a few other games if you'd like to check them out uh, and see what their style is like. Um, very basic graphics, uh, yeah. almost like uh, like Lego men, almost like Roblox. Oh, no. I don't know much about Roblox, but I know the design of their characters. It's, they're very Roblox-like, their character design. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I would recommend this game if you're looking for uh, something to do with someone in your office when you've got half an hour to kill on a Friday afternoon. How many people does it take? Um, it's a five-on-five, five, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure there's any way to choose... Uh, servers though so it just maybe assign you uh, automatically so you may have to try and just join just up at the same, at time. The same time yeah, yeah that kind of deal um, but yeah they're, they're constantly updating the game um, their itch page uh, shows you their their roadmap uh, which nice. I'm usually skeptical of but when it's a two te- uh, two person team uh, who are working on something I'm uh, actually quite appreciative of it it's not like uh, yeah lofty goals that they'll never achieve they're actually like saying oh we're adding a new map or we're um you know tightening up the controls or something so uh constantly being updated if it's something that you'd want to come back to and see the progress of um which is yeah something that i like to do i'm assuming you're the same um yeah yeah well i don't know 
my the the game that I'll talk about next isn't really one that I'll probably see if it's updated or anything. It's more of a play once and move on. But um... yeah, well, uh, <laughs> why, why don't you tell us about the game that you're you're playing now? Okay. So, um, as I said earlier, I was browsing the Amaze Festival um, Awards. Yep. And I was looking for something short and sweet because, you know, I think that our Triple R audience does like the shorter games. And I was talking to Kate Kingsmill um, before our show started during a track, and I was like, this game goes for about 15 minutes, it's done. And she said, what? Games can just be done? Yeah. Yeah. And it stops. That's it. You no, play it once. No other commitment. Nah. Yeah. Um, and this game is especially one of those. So I'll read the description, though, because it's pretty funny. So, Titanic 2, Orchestra for Dying at Sea by Flan. Um, and Flan's a creator that is well known for these kinds of weird, surreal, short experiences. Which is also what Twitch is known for a lot of the time as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. these kinds of art game festivals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the description is originally released as an after credits bonus scene in the Titanic, but most people left the theater before getting a chance to see it because the Titanic is already three hours long. <laughs> now remastered in HD and brought to itch.io, which I thought was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's very clever. Yeah, and then it makes sense because <laughs> so let me find my let me find my notes because it opens with um a pretty excellent uh Celine Dion track which I'm sure we're all um familiar with. And this as you listen to my heart will go on. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Increasing reverb. Um you start to realize that you are underwater. And okay, and you're going downwards, and it's pretty beautiful at this point. Um, yeah, it does start to become more haunting as Celine Dion's beautiful notes start to feel a little bit more like whale calls. This kind of okay. reverb and being drawn out as you're further in underwater, um, and then you start to hear these kinds of. Creepy alien sounds um, that are kind of like a ship creaking if the ship was an animal. Um, Okay. (laughs) So what's happening while you're slowly sinking to the bottom of the sea in peaceful bliss listening to Celine Dion? Uh, Can you move around? Can you swim to the side? Is it... Um, You can look. Okay. You can move the camera so it's in first person. So you can use the mouse to move the camera and you can see... Um, these low-poly sculptures coming down. So some of them are um, Pokemon (laughs) and some of them... I forgot there was like a whole menagerie of Pokemon on the Titanic. (laughs) Yeah. Why'd they leave that out of the original movie? I I just think that you must have fallen asleep. Yeah, I I must have missed it. Yeah, that's of course, of course. (laughs) Um, And then um, you start to see all of these different... You know, aquatic creatures, of course. Um, uh, There's, um, you know, these kinds of massive angry fish and crabs (laughs) with hundreds of teeth. And as you get kind of closer and it gets darker as you get to the bottom um, of the seafloor, the Celine Dion (laughs) 
<laughs> kinds of turns into this like noise concert. Um, not like a super harsh noise concert, just a kind of um, aggressive vapor wave, like screaming, but like not. It's a little bit haunting. It's a little bit horrifying. Okay, but it's more like funny. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> is it what? Um, is this a game that uh, like how much story is in this? Is it? Um, yeah. So it goes. It goes only for about fifteen minutes, and um, uh, there's a little bit of narrative that is in English at the start, and then um, there's these alien hieroglyphics that come up, which you can't understand, but have like a pacing as if there is a real language. So I think that if you did pause the game and like try to decipher what this language is, there would be something. Um, But the English narrative is around like, you know, I wish that my companion was here. I didn't think that we would lose each other. These kinds of things like that. Um, um, Yeah. (laughs) But once the, the song has finished kind of warping into this horrific screaming, you do get to the bottom of the ocean um, nice. after about five minutes and then you're kind of walking around and there's these skeletons and hands coming out of the sand and these different... It, it's really sculptural. Um, and, um, and, oh, there's a puzzle box from Mario Kart down there. As <laughs> perfectly in line with, with, with what history said. You wander around for a while and then – so because you have this torch somehow. Um, it's What I find really good about this game is that while everything is kind of surreal, you it's a really clear sense of what is the in the game world. Yes. So the game world has been – quite clearly defined in such a way that it that all this actually feels very grounded. <laughs> and I, I laugh as I say that because it sounds ridiculous. But I will have to say it to believe it, I think. <laughs> it, the whole way you just feel like, oh, yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, do you recommend this game to our listeners? I absolutely do. Um, I will say that once you get to the bottom of the ocean and you find... Um, a few specific things, some real um, otherworldly shit happens <laughs> with time and things like that. And it only goes for about 15 minutes. And I think that you will laugh and snort your entire way there. And the music and sound is incredible. And I think that's what actually gives a real physicality to it yeah. is that this music and sound actually, yeah, helps ground you in the space. And, um, yeah, free on itch. And, you know, if you'd like a kind of a 15-minute vapor rave noise experience that you could imagine a VJ, like, playing behind a DJ, um, <laughs> then I, I highly recommend. And you want to hear the or see the stunning conclusion to what happened to the Titanic after it hit the ocean floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, find that on itch. And you can also find Narrow at one. And that's a browser-based game. Coming up after these announcements, we've got a fantastic interview lined up with Cecile Richard talking about their game Cycle, uh, which we're yeah really looking forward to hearing about. 
This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Cecile Richard is a graphic designer, zine maker and game designer living in Melbourne, Nam, whose artistic work often revolves around the themes of memory, connection and belonging. Cecile's most well-known works include award-winning short bitsy games, Novena, Endless Scroll and Under a Star Called Sun and one that we love, Hope. Um, Cecile, welcome to the show. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> it's going really well. Um, so your latest game cycle um, with brackets and with spaces in between each letter. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've released... Well, tell tell us a little bit about it. Um, yeah, so cycle is... Um, it's what I call a weird website. Um, <laughs> it's this um, interacting, interactive fiction piece about... Um, I guess urban legends, tunnels, uh, the workers that dig them, and like very ominously what lies underground. Um, so it contains this horror story that I made up about the CD loops, basically. Or maybe maybe I didn't make it up. Maybe it's real. I don't know. I don't think you made it up. I think you know. <laughs> I've heard inklings around here and there. Um, and you know, it's a as someone who's followed your work for a little while. It's a mm-hmm. bit different to your previous Bitsy games, you know, where we've got a similar, you know, it is still narrative-based, which your previous games were, but instead of going kind of less on the words and more on the visual, which I feel like your previous games are, but, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if you mm. feel differently, we got a much more text and then these really huge images what what does this kind of evolution mean for you and you know why this kind of change um i like to the really short version of this is that i've entered my evil era but um (laughs) to to be more uh descriptive um i think like it's not just that there's more text and like the form itself is different um but it's also like the the tone is just like a a world away from like what I used to make so I I mean like what I made prior to this and I think like I because I used to make um games and things that were a lot more cozy and personal and you know told these like nice stories and now this is like really different because it's this really ominous horror story and it's also told in a way in a very indirect way like it's it's like told in first person but it's mostly like I heard this from a friend um I heard this from this person that person and it's very removed from the personal point of view um which I found very interesting and um I just really enjoyed making this I made it for like pure fun and kind of like being able to to write long form is extremely free and because I didn't have to worry too much about the, the brevity that you need to make a bit of game like palatable and readable um but also it was fun to make like a horror story uh, set in the city that I live in because I don't know I think it's fun and I also used to be like the one kid who would tell scary stories around the campfire oh, and it felt really nice to be that that person again like doing that same similar thing except on the internet and also with better storytelling skills <laughs> Yeah, and was it, like, harder? It's, 
I don't, it's hard to kind of figure out, is this a bigger game or is it the same size game? Like, what was, what was different about working and making this game? Um, there was a lot more research involved, for sure. Like, just kind of, like, looking at real stories, like, or, like, you know, real events, historical events that happened either in Melbourne or in my, my own life, or, like, you know, like, thinking about, like, how do I tie all these interesting things together on, like, in a narrative, like, which is, like, a completely different way of working on games, where, like, I was, before, I was I would just kind of, like, you know, come up with, like, a, a fairly, like, linear narrative and instead like this was a lot more just kind of like piecing these things together in a way that made sense even though they're like kind of like disconnected from each other but there is like a through line that I had to find right like and and I think that Mm. that's maybe like the biggest difference maybe that's pretty fun like research first and then creating these Mm. lateral links Oh, it's so good. It's so fun. I love it. <laughs> and you've mentioned Melbourne, which is uh, something that we're all familiar with. We all love it. Um, yeah. In, how does Melbourne feature in, in Cycle? And is it, um, you're saying it's like horror themed. Is it, does Melbourne's uh, history or architecture lend itself to that kind of um, horror experience? Absolutely. I think, like, it really is this, um, the way that I wrote about it is that, like, all the names, uh, places names, people's names are like redacted and obscured, but you can still see like images of maps and, and all that stuff that clearly represent and reference Melbourne. Mm. And a lot of the events that are referenced in the game are real. Like there's this like ghost story and like there are actually are like, you know, ghost sightings in Swinger Street Station, which is really funny to me. Or like there was like this huge flood in the seventies and I was like, oh, I can use this. And even like the bit about my grand my grandpa being a gold miner that's real <laughs> even though that has nothing to do with melbourne it's it's just like i just add <laughs> yeah. my own like little thing to those things and like i have definitely been obsessed pretty much with the city loop since i moved here like four years ago and i also just love just thinking about local history um and and, and in in larger terms the relationship of the city of melbourne and, and australia as a whole with its own heritage and history mm. um and thinking about what people here the people in power even like see as valuable and worthy of preserving and what they seem they deem like discard discardable like things that they're like yeah whatever we can get rid of this like i was re- thinking about recently the uh, DeGray's subway, Campbell Arcade, and yeah. how easily the city kind of just decided to get rid of it to make way for the metro tunnel. And, and just, like, I was like, man, there's a story here. <laughs> and 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 I also, like, in, in a larger context, I also just think about, like, just how many places that are important to, like, Indigenous people just have been destroyed since the European colonization. And it's just, like, I don't know. There's, like, there's so much about, like, you know, the complicated relationship that this country has with its own history. And it's just like, ugh, you know, it's, it's a lot to think about. And I was like, I need to, I need to think about this stuff. <laughs> um, the other funny thing about um, this game and its specificity is that um, the funny thing is I first released this under a pseudonym as part of this uh, collective called Domino Club. And we do this thing every time we do a jam or we try to guess who made what game within the group. And, like, because it's so obvious that it's Melbourne, everyone clocked me as the maker of Cycle. <laughs> um, but, but, like, you know, I, I, I was already aware of that. I was like, yeah, I'm sure that it, this is, like, too obvious. I don't care because, like, I had decided that the specificity of the game was just much more important than obfuscating the, the, my identity, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, and I and I and I think also that like my favorite pieces of uh, Australian media just don't shy away from the fact that they're very much Australian. Um, my one of my favorite movies is is called Lake Mongo, which is an extremely sad horror movie set in Ararat. And I think what makes it really like really compelling and hit very hard is its specificity. And I just I love it. I, I love thinking about this stuff. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, you've actually like made me think about like what I would like to see preserved in Melbourne and you're right that arcade I'm like oh that's such a bummer that's going to be you know um made way for progress in uh quotation marks um Mm -hmm. but uh you did just mention then Domino Club and um like a collective of who made what um can you tell us a bit more about that that sounds really interesting um yeah I think it's just like I don't really know how to describe this um, but it's just kind of like this group, this almost like, I guess it is like a friend group that I'm part of and like everyone's like a game developer and like a lot of, most of the people in there are like based in the UK um, and I'm just like friends with them and and, and we just kind of made these really, really strange, um, sometimes not safe for work games <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and there's definitely like this very gritty, uh, low res almost like quality to them but like then the the actual like you know the the writing is extremely good the ideas are extremely good I think like there is that like mix of the aesthetics being very lo-fi and like res- like a lot of restraint in that but like the actual like substance of those games are always extremely interesting and like I I just I it's extremely inspiring and I'm really glad that I'm you know some somehow part of it. <laughs> so what a um. What are some other games that have been released through Domino Club? Do you all share the same account and it's uh, kind of like yeah. a guess who kind of game? Yeah, kind yeah. Of deal? It's that, it, that's exactly what we do. We just like choose a pseudonym and uh, and like publish it under the same uh, H.io account. Oh, that's that's such a fantastic idea. And like, yeah, you must forge a lot of uh, fantastic friendships that way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, so back to Cycle, uh, just want to uh, find out how the reception to the game has been. Yeah, so I actually don't really know. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think it's as popular as my previous work. I think, like, some of my, like, previous work has just, like, blown up in ways that I don't think, you know, like, it's really hard to, like, replicate that sort of, like, you know, relative success. But I'm okay with, like, you know, it being, like, not as, not getting, you know, enough clicks and number go up or whatever because, like, you know, I'm just really proud of it and, I think it's also the point of it is that it's not meant to be for everyone and the people who do get it seem to really, really love it, which is, to me, it's all that matters, really. I think, like, it's the kind of thing where it's, like, it's so specific that, you know, only a certain people, <laughs> a certain type of people would be like, oh, I love this, and then they, they and I'm like, yeah, you know, I do too. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's also really fun to hear you had so much fun making it you know we're often talking about how hard games are to make um Mm. or just how hard making has been in general over the last few years so it's really yeah beautiful to hear that you had so much fun making it it was great i had a field day it was great brilliant um cecile it's been an absolute delight to talk to you tonight um people can get cycle at itch.io so cycle uh Bracket cycle uh, C Y C L E with spaces yeah, I, close I think bracket. 
you might have a better time just looking at looking me up on on itch. It's hariva.itch.io. H a r a i v a. Um, I think it's probably easier to, to search for that. All right, easy. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. That's uh, much easier for our listeners. And if you're into uh, like scary Melbourne and you know seeing your own um, your own city reflected in some artwork, um, please. Uh, get on to cycle uh cecile yeah, thanks so free. much yeah and it's free uh that's what we're all about here so uh yeah. cecile thanks free so much and browser based for, and browser yeah. based thanks so much for coming on the show we're in the dying minutes of bite into it with dan and Mays, our monthly video game review and interview show um yeah we're we're coming to the end uh we had some yeah. had some fun that's some beautiful fun. We got to hear from Cecile Richard about their game Cycle, um, which you can find by looking up Domino Club on Itch or Hariva on Itch. We heard from Dan on your latest find, Narrow One, made by Jesper and Jürgen. Yep. Um, Pelican Party Studios, which you can find at www.narrow.one. Yes, that's it. Which is cool. Yep. And then we heard about the sequel, or previous to that, we heard about the sequel to the Titanic, yeah. uh, the <laughs> the missed game um, that uh, everyone walked out of the The cinema. 100% totally factually accurate uh, end credit scene to yeah. uh, Titanic. Yes. Titanic 2, uh, orchestra for drowning at sea. For dying at sea. Dying at sea, uh, sorry. Much, right. much more horrific. <laughs> yeah. Um, by Flan. Uh, which is on itch.io and um, was recognised at the Amaze Festival in Berlin. Yes. So check all of those out because they're they're all awesome and we pick them out for you. And also one last uh, mention of Game Workers Unite. If you're a, a video game professional uh, and you're looking for some help or some community, uh, you should join up with the Game Workers Unite Union, um, show your support and join the community of game developers who are also um, working for fairer wages and better working conditions, yeah. um, which is really just a hot topic uh, across the entire working world at the moment. so It is, yeah. yeah. So go to gameworkers.com.au forward slash join yeah. and, uh, and get your union membership sorted out so that we can come and, come and help you negotiate for better working conditions and wages and all of that fun stuff. Perfect. Um, all right, well, we've reached the end of the show, another another month down. Um, thanks so much to uh, Cecile Richards uh, for uh, her interview. Uh, check out Cycle at uh, Domino Club on itch.io. Um, coming up next, we've got the International Pop Underground with Anthony Carew. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts. 